You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Coming off a Big 12 championship for the first time in 10 years, the ninth-ranked Kansas State Wildcats sail into the All-State Sugar Bowl seeking a school record tying 11 victories when the Wildcats meet number five Alabama in an 11 a.m. kickoff on December 31st at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome one and all to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com and the GoPowerCat staff is here in the Big Easy ready to cover a big football game. Maybe maybe the biggest football game in Kansas State football history. It is one of the great storied programs of college football and is now the most dominant brand in all of the college football world. Alabama finds itself in the weird and somewhat mystifying on their behalf situation of not being in the college football playoff. The Crimson Tide are ranked number five. They fell one spot short with that 10-2 record of getting into the playoff, and so they have to, quote, settle for the Sugar Bowl. Kansas State, meanwhile, comes in with a 10-3 record off of that impressive victory over TCU in the Big 12 Championship in early December, in which the Wildcats won their fourth conference title in school history and their third Big 12 title overall the first for Coach Chris Kleiman. This is Kansas State's 24th bowl game in school history. And of course, all but one of those have come since the hiring of Bill Snyder in 1989. That is how different and divergent these two programs are on the college football landscape. Kansas State, even though they've had a good 30-plus years of success under Bill Snyder and Chris Kleiman, They remain a newcomer on the scene of being a top program around the country. But there's no doubt that Alabama is indeed the biggest brand, the best of the best in all of college football, coached by another coaching legend like Bill Snyder, Nick Saban. As I see it, Nick Saban is Bill Snyder with five-star players, and the results are predictable. They are good. They are very good very good. And throughout this show, we will break down how Kansas State can win this game and if myself and our experts feel like the Wildcats will win this game. It's all coming up on this episode of the PowerCat Pregame Podcast, and we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And all season long, I've been telling you why I shop at Robbins, but now I'm going to make it very personal. 
Robbins Motor Company is unlike any other car dealership I have dealt with through the years. This isn't a mega lot. This is a smaller Kansas business, and they are very supportive of K-State sports, being active in the NIL space with players such as Felix Anudike Ozama and, of course, Deuce Vaughn. The staff with Brady and everyone at the Manhattan Robbins location on Anderson Avenue are just wonderful to work with. I'm a Dodge guy. I love my Dodge Durango, and I will buy another one when this one is worn out from Robbins Motor Company. And this one got some added miles on it because we ended up driving to New Orleans after a flight cancellation. Robbins Motor Company will take the stress out of the buying process and take care of you and get you into the exact kind of car you want. I love Robbins Motor Company, and I'm not just saying that because they're our sponsor. They're our sponsor because I love them, not the other way around. And they are very supportive of K-State Sports, and they continue to support this podcast. And on this episode of the PowerCat Pregame Podcast, you're going to get the complete breakdown, and it's going to follow the script that we followed all season long. It has worked so well, so why change it for the bowl game? Ryan Wallace will join me shortly. In fact, he's standing by right now to come in and discuss this game between K-State and Alabama, 11 a.m. in the Superdome on New Year's Eve down here in New Orleans. After the break, we will have Brian Hanley come in, our football expert, our analyst. He played on the 97 and 98 Kansas State football teams that came to the cusp, to the very edge of playing for a national title. In fact, in a four-team playoff world, Kansas State would have been exactly like TCU that season, ranked third in the country, coming off a disappointing loss in the Big 12 championship. But they would be in a four-team playoff, and of course back then, only two teams were included in the opportunity to win the title. But I will start my conversation with Brian with a very interesting question. Could those 1998 Wildcats, the best team I have covered at Kansas State, played with any of these Alabama teams? His answer will be intriguing, I am sure. And then we'll wrap up the show with an interview with Joe Klanderman. No player segment this week because of a shuffled schedule down here in New Orleans. And we got Coach Klanderman, someone we can't normally have on the pregame podcast. We just don't meet with him until after the podcast goes up. And then we'll bring in Ryan Gilbert to talk about this game, the odds, the betting lines. And we'll also take a peek at those two playoff games between Ohio State and Georgia and TCU and Michigan. It's all coming up on the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now let's get things rolling with our own Ryan Wallace to talk about the Cats and the Tide and the Sugar Bowl, 11 a.m. on New Year's Eve. Wally, I kind of get the sense that K-State shouldn't bother showing up. And and I, I, I joke about that, but also there's this, this underlying confidence that Alabama is just going to trash K-State um, around the people that are here covering Alabama from what we picked up. But uh, I, I think this is going to be a very entertaining game. I think this is a better matchup than what people expect. I I understand Alabama's talent level, but also there's something to be said about the cohesiveness of this K-State team, the buy-in of this K-State team, and I think that closes the gap significantly. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think speaking from, you know, my recruiting sense and standpoint, I, I think obviously a lot of that confidence – and maybe the the national outlook of this game and predictions stems a lot from recruiting. Uh, when, when you've got a, a program like Alabama that will come in, even with a few transfers, uh, postseason transfers and some opt-outs, obviously not the ones that um, 
that, that fans kind of expected. You know, Bryce Young sounds like he'll play Will Anderson. But even with some of the guys that they are rotating in to start, or the, the handful, they're still going to have more five stars and four stars on one side of the ball than K-State has ever signed like in modern recruiting history. <laughs> so, I mean, I think when you look at it through that lens and when you look at it as everything Alabama's done in the last decade versus everything that Kansas State hasn't, if again, if you're just talking about college football playoff, national championships, I get it. But I also go back to, as you said, when you kind of look beyond the stars and the recruiting and what these two programs kind of have done in recent memory. Uh, we, we had in our group text fits several weeks ago, several weeks ago, about if it indeed is the Sugar Bowl for K-State, who do you want to see, who do you not want to see? And I can remember a lot of us, myself included, said, this is going to sound wild. If you're K-State, you want to see Alabama yeah. because there's a little bit more speed on Alabama's side. There's going to be more size on Alabama's side, but – if you just want to talk about teams that do things the same way where you're not going to be completely caught off guard trying to get a game plan together in a couple weeks for something you don't typically see, that's not it. Because I think Alabama, to me, for many years, has been the SEC version of Kansas State, just with a little bit more talent. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And as you go through their stats, you notice it's kind of running back by committee. Yeah, they got a leading rusher, of course. Receiving by committee. They don't have anyone that – on. You know those stats. It just kind of jumps out and says, "Wow, this this guy's a beast." It just kind of keep coming at you with waves of talent. But the one guy that does jump out at you in the offensive stats is Bryce Young for a good reason. He won the Heisman Trophy a year ago. Played eleven games this year. Completes sixty four percent of his passes. Threw for three thousand yards this season. Averaged two seventy three a game. What's intriguing about him is he's really mobile. He moves around in the pocket extremely well. Creates time to get the ball downfield. But he's not a running quarterback. I mean, he averages 17 yards a game. I mean, he'll he'll tuck it and run if you need to. But um, he really wants to extend plays with his mobility. Um, and trying to keep him bottled up is so important for this K-State team. But that's something they've had to do through the season, not let quarterbacks get out of the pocket too often. They, they failed at the end of the TCU game. But unlike Max Duggan, he's not typically going to take off running and gouge you that way he's going to just try to extend and and more like an NFL quarterback find someone down the field can they keep him in the pocket um, and not able to extend plays oh I mean that's that's the key to me for K-State defensively anyway it's it's corralling him I think it might have been Josh Hayes earlier and going through obviously I'm not in New Orleans but watching and, and reading some of the content that you and Zach and Cole are, are putting out down there um, talking to the defensive players yesterday, I, I, again, I believe it was Josh Hayes that said, um, you know, when it comes to stopping Alabama's offense, a lot more pressure is probably going to be on the defensive line, the front seven, not to get necessarily to Bryce Young. Yeah, that'd be great, but just to corral him, to contain him. Um, and then from there, it's the job of the secondary to not let somebody loose because you know that plays are going to get extended and you're going to have to stay in coverage maybe a little bit longer than you normally would. Um, so keep your eyes on your receiver and, and try not to slip into the, you know, keep your eyes to the backfield and, and let a guy go. Because again, that's where Bryce Young can kill you is he'll extend plays. And like you said, he's not really a runner. Um, in a way, he kind of reminds me, 
and again, this is a bad comparison for the way that he's playing right now. <laughs> but if you go back in his career a little bit with the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, in a sense of he can kill you with his legs, but what he really wants to do is just extend plays. Um, you know, he wants to get outside, but even when he's getting outside the pocket, if you flush him that way, he's still keeping his eyes downfield because he wants to pass. And he's a 3,000-yard passer. But as you said, Fitz, what is interesting about this Alabama offense is there aren't a lot of weapons around him. His leading receiver this year has just 623 yards. So he's spraying it around. But in a sense, if you're Kansas State, there's not somebody, there's not a real weapon that scares you from a sense of maybe keeping uh, somebody over the top. You know, there's not a Julio Jones on this team. Uh, And in the backfield, there's not a Josh Jacobs or you know, a a Derrick Henry, you know, Jameer Gibbs is very good, um, but they use him out of the backfield as a receiver quite a bit too. I think he's their third leading receiver yardage wise. And then Jace McClellan is a really good um, running back who they also will kind of share carries with Gibbs. And he's more kind of a, of a speedster too. But again, nobody that uh, I think you have to completely change a game plan for from what you, what's gotten you to this point. So to me, if you're Kansas State, and again, it's a big task because Bryce Young is everything as advertised. I've even been talking to uh, one SEC staffer um, this week about Alabama, some content that'll come here shortly on Go Cat. that uh, I asked him, you know, who does he remind you of? And he said he's a better, smarter Johnny Manziel in a sense of being able to just do it all from the quarterback position. I don't know if there's anybody that K-State's played this season that I think has been more integral to the offensive success purely from one position as Bryce Young is. Maybe Spencer Sanders on Oklahoma State. You know, you take him away, difference. Uh, Michael Pratt, Tulane, a little bit of a difference if you lose that. But um, so, so big on, again, pressure if you can, um, but containing and corralling Bryce Young and making him and the receivers have to get open on their own, I think that's that's the key for Kansas State's defense. The first sign for me that Alabama isn't fully taking Kansas State seriously will come when I see if they're double-teaming Felix or not. If Felix mm-hmm. and D.K. Uzama is getting single-team blocked, that's a sign from the coaches, we're just better than anything you had in the Big 12. We don't need to do that. We're Alabama. And I think Felix... Uh, has an opportunity here. You know, we're still uh, trying to figure out if he's going to be back or not. I think we all agree, probably not. But if he has a big game here, ironically, for K-State fans, it sucks because he <laughs> he, he, he probably is going to the NFL because he will prove his worth against NFL-level offensive linemen. Um, but if they double-team him, that's a sign to me that, look, this dude's legit, this defense legit. We've got to, we've got to do what everyone else has done in facing them is take him away and make someone else beat us. So that's key number one for me is, is you know, I'm going to focus on that and see what they're they're doing. But I, I just feel like they're going to single block him, and I think Felix might have a big day. Well, and if there's, a, you know, a side of this offensive line that you think might be, you know, a little bit more able for Kansas State to penetrate, for me, I look at the left side because you've got a, a transfer from Vanderbilt and Tyler Steen, Um, Again, a quality player. Again, if we're not looking at recruiting stars, as I just mentioned, we shouldn't, you know, because guys will develop. But technically, if you go by stars, Tyler Steen is the lowest starting um, recruit that that Alabama has 
that, that will start in the Sugar Bowl. And next to him at left guard, they're sliding in Tyler Booker, um, who's a very was very accomplished as a prospect. Um, but I, I I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that, that he's a replacement for someone that's either hit the transfer market uh, or has opted out of this game. So, again, a younger player that, you know, big physical, but, you know, maybe some uh, somebody that K-State can take a little bit of advantage of. And again, it's, it's tough with Alabama because they're going to be, you know, among the, <clears throat> excuse me, the most physical, largest, strongest uh, offensive lines that K-State has seen since maybe Texas. But again, it's a little bit easier to attack in the sense that uh, I think Texas's offensive game plan, their strategy is so tempo oriented, whereas Alabama really isn't. And so I think I think it could be a big game for Felix. I think it could be a big game for Khalid Duke. Um, but uh, I also go back to another point that you were kind of alluding to there, Fitz, which was, uh, you know, Alabama thinking that they're better. I think a lot of this game early on is going to be both coaching staffs feeling one another out. I think this is going to be a game uh, maybe more so than um, many that K-State's had other than maybe the Big 12 championship, since that's a team that K-State had faced for the second time where you're going to be feeling each other out for maybe a quarter and then the in-game adjustments are going to happen, and it'll be interesting to see who's able to, you know, pivot quicker. Right, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and again, something we saw all season was Joe Klanderman would flip the script at halftime and do something different, um, taking away their, you know, halftime adjustments to that. Uh, we'll see if he can get to halftime to do that. I mean, that's that's exactly yeah. what happened with Texas. You brought up Texas; they got away in the first half, and when he flipped the script in the second half, it was radically different. But it was just too big of a hole. I mentioned Felix might have something to prove here, might be able to show that um, you know he's an NFL-level guy, but he's not the only one on this defense. There's a slew of players who can make a name for themselves and greatly uh, enhance their draft prospects. You look at Daniel Green. I'm not sure he's even a, a draftee at this point because his injury kind of tamped down his, his effectiveness this year. His foot injury that he told me uh, today is fully healed. He's, he's 100% for the first time all year. And um, Daniel can prove that, you know, he can play at this level, can play against these kind of guys. But go to the back end of this defense. Julia Sprints and Echo Boydeau can get themselves some money by being effective in coverage in this game. And I think we agree that Brents is probably climbing up the charts anyway uh, because of his length and, and effectiveness this year and his more physicality, a radical change from last year. But um, Echo Boydeau is apparently healthy. He's ready to go. And uh, I think that is a valuable, valuable commodity for Kansas State to have their starting corners in this game, both of whom um, have a bright future, but will they get drafted or where they will get drafted? And this, this is a big game for a lot of individuals on this team. Yeah, I mean, I think Boydo is, is going to be crucial, too, to get him back. You know, hopefully he's able to, you know, not only play, but play a majority of the snaps in this game. A, just because obviously – uh, his presence out there and the experience that he brings, but B being one of the faster players that Kansas state has, you know, if there's one thing that Alabama has, there's not that individual threat, you know, out, like I said, outside of young, but a lot of guys that have their own individual talents and God given gifts, a plethora of speed. Right. And so you need a guy like echo out there um, that, you know, is a low four, four, maybe even a high four, three guy when he's fully healthy, um, so I think, you know, having him back there w will be enormous. And again, um, I think a big stage for VJ Payne, you know, obviously he's not an NFL draft guy, 
Um, but he's a guy that could immediately grab the national attention and certainly the, the attention more of the Big 12 heading into next year uh, of a guy that, you know, Big 12 offenses will will maybe flip the tape on and, and watch a little bit more of next year because I think this could be a game where we could say it's his, it's his career coming out party, if you will. Right. I would totally agree with that. Um, and what a, what an enormous amount of pressure on that young guy. I mean, he's, he's a true freshman, pushed into duty because of safety injuries. And, oh, by the way, young man, you get to play Alabama. It's it's really something else What some of these guys. Eli Huggins, a, you know, a son of the SEC, he, he always wanted to play in the SEC and really didn't have any serious attention. You know, had someone sniffing around him maybe, but um, it's just a huge game for Eli at nose tackle too. Let's go over to the offense for Kansas State. In talking to Alabama media, they say this isn't a normal defense for them. This isn't as dominating as Alabama defense need to be, and they've been giving up too much rushing yards. Now let's put this in context. They're giving up 125 yards a game. So <clears throat> they've had some games this season where they've, they've been gashed pretty good, but for the most part, they've done a good job. But they are genuinely worried about Deuce Vaughn because – He's something they don't really see in the SEC where you you don't have to settle on the five foot seven guy. You you can get the six foot guy, you know. Um, and Deuce is so elusive. I I think they're very concerned he's gonna create a lot of problems for them um maneuvering through that defense. And, you know, I'll look, he Deuce has been bottled up by big physical defenses in the past. So I, I'll be very interested to watch that. But can Kansas State establish the run in this game well enough? to help Will Howard get effective in the passing game. Well, first off, funny you say that. Tell me you're spoiled without telling me you're spoiled yeah. with the Alabama defense. Because if you look statistically, they rank ahead of Iowa State, fourth overall in FBS at 4.52 yards surrendered per play. So they would be among, if not the best unit in, in the Big 12. They'll be the most dominant defense I think that K-State has faced this season. But um, getting back to your question, you know, I, I think Deuce Vaughn is a guy that absolutely can take advantage uh, of Alabama because, again, as you mentioned, in the SEC, it's become so much of a, a, a blueprint of capable quarterback, bruising, you know, a, a reliable rusher that's, that's a, you know, a guy that you can hand the ball to that can give you a couple yards, and then incredible – elusiveness and speed at the wide receiver position that to me is is sec football they don't have many and and um running backs that are you know multi-dimensional like you see from deuce vaughn a guy that you can hand the ball off to or you know split outside and and get him out there as a receiver in quality matchups and that's what colin klein's going to do um not all that different from what we saw last year in the texas bowl uh, against LSU, granted, a, a very different opponent in LSU. But for me, Fitz, I think the other element beyond Deuce Vaughn that will be crucial for K-State, and I know you're probably going to bring it up, so I'll just lead it in for you anyway, is is the quarterback run game. Um, and whether that's going to be Adrian Martinez or whether that's Will Howard, it doesn't matter to me. I just think you have to have some sort of element that keeps this Alabama defense on their toes because, again, as I mentioned earlier, a staffer in the SEC that I've been chatting with a little bit this week, he said if there's one thing about this Alabama defense, if you're not going to go tempo, which we know K-State won't, at least not the tempo that, that you know, Alabama's used to seeing against, you know, Elaine Kiffin or Mike Leach, um, you, you got to catch them off guard and, and do some things as far as 
rotations and, and make them communicate with shifts and motions and things like that. And so, again, that's where you can get Deuce Vaughn. But also I think that's where you can catch him with a quarterback run game. And, and Adrian Martinez uh, sounds like he's as healthy as he's been in many, many weeks. He obviously can bring that to the fold, but also Will Howard. And if you need evidence of why you need a quarterback run game, I think if you go back and you look this season at Alabama, there are two losses to Tennessee and LSU. You had Hendon Hooker, who put up 56 yards on Alabama, and LSU had Jalen Daniels put up 95, both from the quarterback position. Even their last regular season game against Auburn, uh, granted, it was a uh, game that Auburn got beat by 22 points. But if you look at the offensive blueprint that, that Cadillac Williams put out there, 121 yards of rushing offense from the quarterback position, that'll help K-State. You know, that's that's what K-State wants to do. And so if you're Will Howard, I think in passing situations, you've got to be very quick. Anything more than two seconds, um, you got to get rid of the ball. And hopefully Colin Klein draws up an offensive game plan that lends itself to Will Howard and, and that oncoming pressure. Um, because it's going to be as, as fierce as K-State's offensive line has seen all season. So it's got to be a lot of underneath stuff, and then maybe you can set up some longer routes. But otherwise, um, you know, if you're Will Howard, take off. Take off and run. If you're Adrian Martinez or, or, or Colin Klein, Chris Kleiman, you know, put them in the game. See if you can add that wrinkle. And again, as many little things that you can do in motion, in jet sweeps, to keep Alabama on their toes and off guard a little bit is going to behoove Kansas State, and I think that's how this offense can can have some success. How would you handle Adrian Martinez in this game? Well, how would you use him? Because obviously they're going to find a way to get him out there, but how? Well, I think I think if you start out with the idea of of just bringing him in as just the running quarterback, uh, you know, maybe that that can catch Alabama once maybe twice. To be honest, though, I would doubt it because there's so much film of Adrian Martinez. You know exactly what he's in there to do. You know exactly what his strong suit is in terms of running versus passing. So if I'm K-State and I'm bringing Adrian Martinez in, the very first play he's in, I'm having him throw a pass. I don't care if it's deep. I don't care if it's incomplete. Um, It's just, whoa, okay, they're not just going to bring him in to be a one-dimensional quarterback today. We have to prepare for both. And then when you rotate Adrian in from there on out, you can have a little bit more flexibility with what he does. And I do the same stuff for Will Howard. I think the more that Colin Klein can implement into this game, the better. Because A, as we say every year, it's the bowl game. There are no more games that are going to be on tape for this season. Lay it all on the line. All that stuff that you practice that maybe you've wanted to throw in games before, put it in. Um, and, and, you know, let the, let the dice roll and see what comes up. Because I, I just think against an Alabama defense, let's be honest, Fitz, you're going to have to do a lot of things that got you here, but maybe some things that nobody's seen before um, because that's how you catch a group like this off guard. Okay, next question. You mentioned the pressure Alabama's capable of, you know, applying here. Can Kansas State's line, notably those two tackles, hold up? And, and the type of size and speed Alabama is going to present. I'm I'm really worried about it. I think yeah. the interior of Alabama's line, um, you know, that when you think about uh, a Hadley Pans or a Hayden Gillum, I, I think the interior is is mobile, is big. 
but it's not something that K-State hasn't seen before. Um, and I think on the edge, on the right side, I think Christian Duffy can can hang. I think he'll be okay. That left side is very worrisome for me because there is nobody that Kansas State has seen that is Will Anderson. There are very few games that you can just completely take him out of. I think he is one of the most dominant defensive players, one of the most dominant pass rushers college football has seen in many years. And Fitz, I started going back through the through the years uh, of Kansas State football. I, I can't think of anybody that Kansas State has played that's had the makeup of a Will Anderson. You know, I mean, you, you look at uh, Texas A&M when they played in the bowl game against Miles Garrett. Um, a, a very different style pass rusher, somebody that maybe suited what K-State was able to protect. But beyond that, I mean, we're going way back to, you know, again, uh, Grant Wistrom or probably Terrell Suggs. Yeah, that's probably Terrell Suggs in the, in the Holiday Bowl is probably the last guy that the Kansas State football program has had to face in one single game like Will Anderson. And so for me, I'll, I'll throw this back to you with this, Fitz. I don't know if this is going to happen, but if I'm Connor Riley, I'm not opposed to, again, starting the way, starting with the horses that got you here. But given the experience that that left side has playing both positions, as we saw last year, I wouldn't be opposed to Cooper Beebe sliding out to left tackle for this game and sliding KT Levinston inside at left guard, a position that he played uh, last year predominantly as a rotation guy because you know if, if the first couple series go the way that Alabama hopes it will Will Anderson's going to be in the backfield in the blink of an eye and that's not really KT Leviston's um, strength is his um, pass protection if he can get his hands on Will Anderson in run blocking I think K-State will be okay but anytime he's got to start doing a you know a back step um, it could be a problem for K-State and I would not hesitate flipping those two players on the left side if it means getting a guy like Cooper Beebe who's a little bit more athletic, a little bit more agile um, to take on Will Anderson. But ultimately, Fitz, I also wouldn't be surprised if Colin Klein has some things up his sleeve in terms of jet sweeps and things like that that just try and take Will Anderson away. Either run at him so it negates his pass rush abilities or run away from him with jet sweeps that are you know right off the snap to where he's got to try and pursue in a hurry and get around traffic. It's going to be very interesting to see how Kansas State approaches Will Anderson because all we talk about, Bryce Young, it's Will Anderson I'm more worried about. It's, yep. That's the yep. more difficult matchup. That's the guy that they just haven't seen. They've seen quarterbacks that you know, might be a poor man's version but at least replicate somewhat what Alabama's quarterback does. But this guy, Will Anderson, is NFL ready. I mean, he... he Someone's going to pick him and start him, and he might be a pro bowler in year one. He's that good. Um, so that's that's a big concern, and we'll see how Kansas State handles it. Now, as I get to the end of the show, this will clearly be the thing that I want people to watch out for. Can K-State's tackles protect? And if they can, brother, I think K-State wins. If they can't, uh, I don't I don't see how K-State can run the ball well enough to you know keep them honest um, if you you know have – have an inability to let Will Howard operate. I, that's that's just my biggest concern in this game. Final final question: Does K State win? Can K State? What's more likely? K State wins. K State gets blown out. Let's try that. I think it's more likely that K State wins. 
Um, again, I like the matchup, and I like it even off the field, too, because, again, Chris Kleiman's been here before. Maybe not as the underdog necessarily, but, you know, all the buildup to a game of this magnitude, uh, he's done. And, sure, you can say it was at the FCS level, but, again, the, the little things about how to manage a team, you know, how the schedule aligns leading up to game time, he's done all that. Um, and he understands, I think, what it's like to be the big dog and, and how you can strike fear in, in the favorite because he had to wear that hat so many times. And so I think they've got the right coach. I think they've got the right team to do it. I think they've got a, a blueprint and a strategy that fits against Alabama. Again, it, it comes down to me of having the mentality of not being scared of a logo, going out, and if you can just hang around, manage to hang around for a quarter and a half, I think you can start to really wear Alabama down and start to crush their confidence a little bit um, because it's it's a team uh, in terms of Alabama's history that doesn't have maybe quite the swagger that Alabama teams of the past have, that they can start to point the fingers a little bit. So uh, I would say I'm, I'm more opt to pick K-State to win and Fitz, I'll just go out on a limb and do it. I think they will win. I, I think there are some areas, sure, that Kansas State, it's not a very good matchup, that they're going to you know, have to have some things fall their way. But ultimately, I think there is enough riding in K-State's favor that they can get the job done. I don't think it'll be a blowout in either fashion. I think it's going to be competitive, but I, I'm, I'm seeing a K-State win by a field goal or a touchdown. I just do. I'm very fascinated to see this game unveil itself because – I've got a good feeling about this. I like where this team is. Um, if this is a game of individuals, Alabama probably wins. But if it's a team game, that's where I like K-State because that is what K-State's strength is, the unity in that locker room and the talent that they can put out there. That seems to get amplified by that. Wally, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll let you go back to your own holiday struggles that we're all having <laughs> this time of year. Thank you so much. Thanks, Fitz. That's it for the first half of the Powercat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. On the other side, Brian Hanley, our football analyst, awaits, and we'll talk to Ryan Gilbert. Should you put your money on the Cats, Gills will give you his opinion. We will be right back. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the Powercat pregame podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. One half of the show is behind us, and we're going to kick it up another notch here in just a second by bringing in our football analyst and former Kansas State offensive lineman, 
Brian Hanley. But remember, folks, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. You heard me at the start of the show attest to how much I love Robbins Motor Company. And I'm telling you, if you want a great deal and to be treated like a human being and with respect, make sure you stop by Robbins Motor Company. It's right there on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. They support the Wildcats with the NIL. They support this podcast. They are K-State fans. Make sure you're fans of Robbins Motor Company. I sure am. Now we do bring in our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley, offensive lineman for the Cats back in 97, 98. Um, Let me just ask you this, Brian. Let's start here. Could that 98 team played with any Alabama team we've seen in recent history? Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. And and it just it's not a bias take. It's just you just match up player for player and we had just as many NFL guys on that team as an Alabama team did. Maybe not number one draft picks or first round draft picks, but we had just as many. So absolutely we could. I mean, even you look at Michael Bishop, wasn't an NFL guy. I mean, he got a cup of coffee, but he didn't really you know, do anything in the league. He was such an elite college football player that I, yep. I mean, he just could play against anyone. I, I just wanted to Absolutely. throw that out there. What is the number one thing that jumps out to you um, about Alabama? I mean, their their physicality, the um, their attention to detail. I mean, they're a pretty mm-hmm. disciplined team. Now they had some games where they weren't, but I feel like with you know a month to prepare, I feel like their attention to detail will be better. But I. And it jumps out to everybody is their talent. They're talented football players. They just are. Yeah. I mean, you go by recruiting rankings. It's just awesome. They kind of scoop up almost anything they want. Um, Yep. And, you know, I I appreciate that. But as we know, the the ratings just they they are a snapshot of what you're at as a sophomore and junior in high school. And then maybe they get adjusted to your senior year and um but they don't account for the Felix Andy DK Uzamas or the Michael Bishops who come through, you know, he came through a junior college. Felix uh, had an incredible transformation physically. A Deuce Vaughn, he's too short, and he's, you know, he's a great college running back. So it, I'm just, uh, I'll be intrigued to watch the talent matchup because I've said this many times, Alabama doesn't have a single player that on scholarship that would have gone to K-State, and Alabama didn't want a single player on K-State on its roster. So, um, no, nope. it doesn't matter for me if Bryce Young and everyone else, you know, all their stars opt out. The guys coming into play still should be better, according to everything yeah. we're told. So we will see how that plays out. I'm I'm intrigued by Alabama because as I've studied them, and look, let's be honest, everyone knows something about Alabama. We watch them because they are an awesome program, and they do play a really um, traditional brand of football. I mean, it's for me. I feel like Nick Saban is Bill Snyder with more players. Um, and, and what you get is a dominant program. But you mentioned it. They're disciplined. They don't make a lot of mistakes. You know, they, they don't do a lot of unconventional stuff. They, they want to run it by a committee. They, they throw it around. But, um, you know, Bryce Young's clearly their best player on the offensive side of the ball. But you know, they don't have a 100-yard receiver, a 100-yard rusher. They, they just kind of no. split everything up. But – He's the guy, and I'm really troubled yes. by him. Um, how special is this quarterback? He's very, very special. Special fits. He he is that guy. I know that's the 
the trend that that young people say he is him. Well, he is. He, he's really that good. There's no miss advertisement. They didn't miss on this guy as far as his recruiting ranking. He is that guy. He makes it all go. He is that special of a quarterback. Now, on the other side, the flip side of that, and you kind of mentioned that, everybody else, we'll see. They look really good, and then they do have a good, a talented roster. Don't get me wrong. And they look good getting off the bus. I guess that should have been the first thing that I said to you mm-hmm. that you know really stands out is that they look outstanding getting off the bus. Uh, and they have a lot of games won, you know, just because of that. It's Alabama, and you see the guys get off the bus. Okay, we can't win. But Bryce Young is that good of a quarterback. Um, you can put him up there with whoever you want to put him up there with. And to me, he had a better year this year than he did last year because he did all these things this year with a little bit of a hurt shoulder, not as good as an offensive line, and absolutely not as good as a receiving core is what he had. He's he's something else. I mean, and you look at him, you know, again, we're, we're not – we're covering Big 12 football. We're not right. watching every Alabama game and breaking down what Bryce no. Young does. He really doesn't want to run. He can nope. run. Um, as I told – Ryan Walsh earlier in the show averaged 17 yards a game. You know, he doesn't take a lot of sacks uh, because he's nope. so mobile. He he does a little Patrick Mahomes thing minus the running. He kind of just moves around. You can't get him bottled up, um, and that's really the key here for Kansas State. I believe you got to kind of contain him and, and not let him extend plays with his legs, and you know, wait till your coverage breaks down because that's where he gets you. And man, that's good. Yes. That's good quarterback play. That's just absolutely that translates to the NFL so amazingly well that um, I'm honestly shocked he's playing and I'm not convinced he's playing the whole game. Um, I'll I'll just I just want to see how K-State tries to handle him. Yeah, I mean, that's they're going to have to do that. You've got to contain him. You can't get out of rush lanes because, like you said, once you do, he will extend a play and extend a play and extend a play. And then it seems like his accuracy fits. It's incredible. Gets better when he's moving around in the pocket. Yeah, It's unbelievable. It seems like his accuracy just goes up another notch when he's running around trying to make a play, which usually that's the opposite, but not for this guy. And it's just what you said. It translates directly to NFL football, which means because I believe he's going to be a heck of an NFL quarterback. So, you know, we're going to have to do some things to keep him in the pocket, but still bring pressure. It's just got to be contained pressure under control because when we get out of control, it's he's going to make us pay for it. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, are you convinced he's playing the whole game? I'm not. I think it, I, I, I covered Bill Snyder so long. I know the gamesmanship, the the kind of kind of maneuvering here. Um, I'm not sure he will. He and Will Anderson are going to play the whole game or at all. Uh, you know, I, I'm just really intrigued that they're even showing up for this game. I think it's cool. I hope they play, not just because it makes K-State's win, if they can accomplish it, look better. But I, college football has fallen apart with all these opt-outs. And uh, yeah. when when players see guys like this step forward and say, I'm playing the bowl game, maybe we're not in the playoffs, but this is important. But do you well, think they're going to play the full game? I don't. I don't even know that they're going to play, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, and I don't blame them. You know, know, having said that, 
I, you know, I, and this podcast is going to come out when it comes out. I watched the, the bowl game between uh, Oklahoma State and Wisconsin last night. And if you're telling me that bowl games still don't matter, I'm like, that's an opportunity to play a bunch of young kids, kids still out there having fun, even older kids out there. You know what? This is my last chance to play in a bowl game. It still means something if you want it to mean something. Mm -hmm. You know, now I don't begrudge people that, yeah, you know what? I'm not in the playoff. I'm backing out. But Ohio State receiver is in the playoff, and he's not playing. And saying, well, my hamstring, I haven't been healthy. Hey, man, you had a month to get healthy. And you're telling me that you don't want to go? You'd rather, well, i got to get ready for the draft. It's just falling apart, Fitz, so I don't know. Um, and I know that's it's way off topic, and I apologize. No. It's just it's driving me insane. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if these two guys don't play. But from all accounts and everything that you hear, they're a different breed when it comes to that and character-wise. And not saying that guys that don't play have bad character. I'm not trying to say that. Right. What I am trying to say that if you do, it means that you care about your teammates and that you want your teammates to be able to win and succeed. You care about them. Not that other guys don't, but this is a step forward. Hey, I'm putting my teammates ahead of myself. I just don't think that – I don't think Nick Saban – is going to allow them to do that. Let me just say that. Right. Nick Saban, we can say whatever we want. I don't believe that he's going to allow those guys to put themselves in that situation and sacrifice that kind of money. Now, if he does, he does. But everything that I know about Nick Saban, he's kind of a player's first. I know he's a disciplinarian, but when it comes to this, he's all about the players. I, I just don't see him allowing that. Do you? No, I don't. I don't yeah. think he'll put them in peril that would jeopardize their future. But, you know, that happens every time you step on the field, too. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but I'll say this. I told Wally this. Will Anderson scares the hell out of me. This dude is NFL ready and a half. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how K-State's going to handle him. That That's an intriguing matchup and really the key. Can these tackles hold up against him and the other you know, mix of size and speed coming at them. Yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, you load up against Anderson and a guy on the other side might be quicker, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's as good. I don't know if he's, you know, but he might be quicker than, and I'm like, gee, many Christmas. There's just no, there's no let up. And then, so that's, I don't know. It's a problem. If he plays, it's it's a problem. I'm not saying K-State can't do it, but I just want K-State fans to understand the task that's going to be at hand for us to win this game if all of these guys play. Alabama's really, really good. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, now let's flip it over to K-State's offense a little bit more. How would Coach Brian Hanley use Adrian Martinez in this game? I don't think you got to play him some. I mean, the guy went to K-State to play in a bowl game, and it absolutely just sucks that he got hurt. Uh, but you got to get him out there. you got to get him out there for some plays. Uh, not necessarily quarterback run game because they're going to know it's coming if that's all you do with him. Uh, but mix it up. They're, you know, empty the playbook. Put him and Will Howard out there. Run a reverse pass or stuff like that. You know, or or even let him start the game if that's what you want to do. Let him start the game and get out there and, and, and you know, and, and get a lather going. But it's Will Howard. It's his team. And I think everybody should understand that. 
but I think you put him out there for maybe 10, 12 plays. I, I just think for what he did, I'm not saying that we owe him anything. Don't get me wrong. I mean, because you know, programs are programs, and he came here, and we helped him just as much as he helped us. But at the same time, he came here to play in a bowl game. He got hurt. If he's healthy enough to play, then put him out there some. Yeah. Why not? I'm kind of, in a way, I hope they just play him at quarterback for a series or, you know, something. But yeah. uh, on the other hand, I, I think this K-State's offense is a lot better with Will Howard at, at the helm. Um, Absolutely. And I think the coaches now realize that. Joe, I mean, uh, Chris Kleiman flat out said it. I mean, he said this is yeah. his team now. I, I kind of would like to see Adrian as a running back at some point in this game um, in a two-back set because he could just be a traditional runner or he could pull up and throw the ball. I, I, I think there's an element to trickery here that um, I'm fascinated to see if Colin Klein goes that direction or Colin Klein says, you know what, we're just going to beat them playing football. Yeah, I, I, I think – I don't know about running back. Uh, I mean, I would like to see him run the football maybe, but he doesn't run the ball like a normal running back would run it. I think you're we're asking for trouble there. Yeah. Uh, as far as just – I just don't think that works. Having said that, I absolutely believe that he's got to be part of the game plan at some at some point. I mean, I mean, he just has to be. He has to be. He means too much to the guys on the football team for him not to be a part of this. I could get it if it was a regular season game and you know, we don't want him out there because we're trying to win it, but this is different. Not that we're not trying to win the game, but this is the Sugar Bowl. Right. This is his last, his last college football game. Uh, he came here because he wanted an opportunity to be in a bowl game. He was able to get into one, one of the biggest bowl games that's out there. Uh, we got to get him out on the football field. I, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, speaking of the running game, Deuce Vaughn is a big concern for Alabama. They don't see this Absolutely. style of kid in the SEC because, let's be blunt, as I told Ryan Wallace, they can get the four-star guy that's six feet tall. They don't need right. Deuce Vaughn. Um, right. But his ability to, you know, work through small spaces uh, and be just hard to find, I think is going to give an Alabama defense some issues. And it's an Alabama defense that has been under some fire from the media that they're not as good as Alabama should be, even though they're really good. But um, right. they have gotten uh, given up some yardage on the ground, namely to some quarterbacks, but they, they are susceptible to the run game. And uh, I think K-State's got to come out from the very start and say, we're running the damn ball. Because that'll slow Will yeah. Anderson down, and uh, that'll just make things a lot easier for for Will Howard as the game progresses. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they have holes. Don't get me wrong; it's a really good football team, but uh, this defense has holes, and they can be exploited. And they were exploited, you know, against good football teams. Well, K State is a good football team, so they have places where they can be exploited. I don't know how strong they are as far as up the middle. When I talk about from nose guard to middle linebacker to safety clearly they have really good football players but it's not the the guys that have played the nfl you know they don't have guys that have been in the nfl or are going to be in the nfl for 10 years they don't have those kind of guys in the middle right now so i, I think it's an opportunity for k-state to take advantage of that because again it's not so much alabama's weak alabama's still really good I just want us to get comfortable with the idea that K-State is really good, too. And I think there's an opportunity for us to exploit them here. Yep, I agree with all that. 
Can K-State win this game, Brian Hanley? Absolutely. I've been telling everybody all week K-State's going to win. I, I think K-State is going to win. I don't think that we can win. I, I really do. I'm, this is not me being a homer. I just believe that and, – and look, life is life. Alabama, we can say whatever we want. They don't necessarily want to be at this football game. Too bad, so sad. You're showing up. You should show up to win. But again, just like I said a minute ago, Kansas State is really good. We're a good physical football team. We have the ability, number one, to stop what Alabama does well, and number two, to exploit what Alabama doesn't do well. We have that capability. I know that it's Kansas State and it's Alabama, and people don't want to to recognize that. You know, you hear all these people, oh, Alabama could beat K-State with their second stringers. Well, those are people that just don't understand college football, don't watch, and you shouldn't even respond to that. But if you really dig down and you dissect the game, this is going to be a close football game. It's just going to be a close football game, and Kansas State is going to win. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to jinx anything. I just believe Kansas State is better. At this particular time, under these circumstances, I think we're a better team. Uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, Wally feels the same way. I do. Um, I'm. Yeah, there's just something going on here, and, and yeah. I haven't had a feeling like this, quite bluntly put, since 2003 when I was told Kansas State couldn't possibly stay on the field with Oklahoma and for the Big 12 championship, and they absolutely trashed the Sooners. Um, I don't think they'll trash Alabama by any means, but I've got this feeling, the same kind of confidence, and it's not something, you know, just fits as being a mystic. Being around this team, these coaches, and these players, there's something going on here that – is hard to quantify, but it's real. And you've been part of it. You've seen what happens when the collection of parts all starts working in synchronization with each other. It's yeah. impressive. And I think that's happening with K-State. Absolutely, that's happening. You can see it. It's like you said, I've been a part of it. Well, the first element of that is having really good football players. And regardless of what anybody wants to say or what their recruiting ranking was, Kansas State, this football team has really good football players. I've been saying it all year. We have good football players. They're extremely well coached, and they're together. That matters. It just matters, man. You know, those teams that we played on or that I played on in 97 and 98, yeah, we were talented, and we were coached really well. But we all got along. We loved each other, and this team loves each other. That matters in football. It just does. The ultimate team sport. You got to get along. Look at the Denver Broncos. They hate the quarterback. <laughs> and look at that football team. They literally can't. They're fighting on the sideline. Unbelievable. You're never going to see that out of this football team, man. That's not going to happen. They could be down 100 to nothing, and that's not going to happen. They love each other, man. That means something. Yep. Indeed, they do. And, brother, I love you. I appreciate everything you've done. We will talk after the game, win or lose. The equipment's working. It's brand new equipment. We're going to do a podcast after this game. Uh, right. So um, stay somewhat sober. Just just don't start until after the TCU be, game, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll be around. I'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> he is Brian Hanley. He knows his football because he played it. And uh, we appreciate everything he's done all season for us with the Powercat podcast. We, we usually park a player interview right here because of the schedule being so strange here at the bowl game. When we're recording this, when we have press conferences, 
This time we're going to bring in defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman, who we normally can't get on the pregame podcast because we talk to him after we record. So here we go with Coach Joe Klanderman and my discussion with him about this Alabama team, and then we'll turn it over to other people asking questions. Here is Coach Klanderman. When you look at this Alabama offense, what goes through your head? I think probably the un, you know, people talk about the stars and, you know, they've certainly had their, their share of those over the years, but I think really up front, they're phenomenal. I think they're, uh, they're, they're strong, they're athletic, they move well, they work well, uh, they're cohesive. Um, I think that's kind of the, 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 the gel that, that gets this thing all going. And then when you couple that with playmakers around those guys, I think it makes them a real dangerous, uh, dangerous crew to stop. With Bryce Young, opting in, so to speak. Does it make it uh, more of a known commodity as opposed to having someone else out there that might change the offense a little bit? Yeah, we were in flux there for a little while. Didn't didn't really know. I, I think there's definitely two different styles of offense, uh, depending on who the trigger man is. And uh, uh, you certainly have a lot more uh, background with with Bryce Young, uh, you know, going back a couple years of of, uh, of offensive stuff and kind of his his cadence and rhythm and and uh, I think we do absolutely I think you're right on that we we do know a little bit more about uh, Bryce than we do uh, the others. Yeah, and finally, what what exactly do they do that causes stress points for a defense? Um, I, I I just think it's it's. We've certainly seen seen um, more complicated schematics. You know, we've seen more tempo. We've seen more. You know, it's not that. What makes it go is the execution. I think they play really hard. I think they've got uh, obviously a lot of a lot of talent and, and skill. I think they play a physical brand of football. Um, you know, that's that that's the hidden sauce is just the the, the toughness, the the physicality and the execution and, and the grind uh, play after play. And that's that's what makes them them unique. Joe, I was curious, you have held every opponent underneath their scoring average this season. Why is that? <laughs> You know, I, I don't. I don't look at it uh, until I guess it's over. But um, you know, we're just trying to get out of each series. You know, honestly, that that's that's the mindset. We're not we're not trying to hold them under whatever 34 whatever points per game there is. We're we're just trying to trying to win each series, win each play. And and I think when you stack enough of those together, um, that's that's the that's the magic. And uh, we're. Um, you know, just trying to find ways to continue to, to give different pictures and different looks on each snap so that we can we can um, have success on that snap. And then when you put it together 60 minutes of that, you end up with a good result. Joe, can you describe briefly just the evolution of the 3-3-5 defense and the changes you've made and how that's come along in two seasons? Yeah, I mean, a year ago, we were just piecemealing things together as much as we could. There was a lot of week-to-week learning. There was a lot of things that, uh, and when I say that, there was a lot of week-to-week install for the players, uh, particularly on third downs, where I think we, we still were behind the curve. I think we did a lot of work in the offseason um, to get, I guess, what I would call a package together, where we can, you know, we can name things. And uh, I think it's a lot different than what we were accustomed to um, in that I think you can play a little bit more offensive football on defense. I think there's a lot of adjustments that we can make real subtly that don't affect a whole lot of people other than maybe one or two, uh, just with a simple tag or with a simple um, change in alignment. And uh, 
so we got uh, to that stage, I think, a little bit over the over the off season, and I think throughout the year we haven't deviated much from from that. I mean, we've we pretty much stayed true to that. So it's allowed us to be a little bit more, probably multiple, probably carry some more things week to week um, than what we typically would in the past. You know, back in the four down days, I don't know um, the the magic recipe, but we maybe carried uh, in a given week maybe three base defenses and three pressures in, in base down situations. Now we can carry nine things, you know, and, and uh, it just doesn't mind blow our guys because they're not that much different for them technically. And so we, we, we're just able to do a little bit more with it right now. And I think that's going to continue to evolve. I think there's things we're talking about on a daily basis now that are going to be different moving ahead. You know, boy, I wish we had that or, you know, and, and those are some things that we're going to start to explore in January and February moving ahead into spring ball. When you go back and you look at who Alabama's played this season, specifically the teams and their defensive structure, not a lot of 3-3-5 in there. Is that kind of something that you guys take into account when you go through your game plan? Or how much do you take away from other how other teams defend Alabama? Yeah, we, we obviously look at that the same way that their offense would look at, at things that uh, have hurt us. Um, you know, it, it, it makes it, uh, you know, it's good and bad to that. You know, the good is you haven't probably – uh, spend a bunch of time working against that stuff. The bad is we we don't necessarily see how they attack those things. You know, we're looking for that stuff too. We're looking for, man, I'd, I wish we could see how they block this or I'd see how they protect this or, you know, what route structure do they like against this picture? Uh, where do they throw the ball in man versus zone? You know, uh, those are those are things that, that we're looking at that we sometimes have a hard time finding. You know, it's been the evolution of the Big 12. I, you know, for a while it was all three down while we were a four down team and then, you know, we go to three down, think we're going to get more pictures, and everybody else goes to four down. And it just kind of, uh, you know, it's the revolving door. So we got a, we a little bit of anticipation and, and uh, guesswork that we're putting into that right now. That was defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman talking about the upcoming game with the Alabama Crimson Tide and all that his defense will face in the course of this game. And now let's talk about K-State's chances. We've been talking about it in some ways, the whole podcast, but now we're going to bring in Ryan Gilbert to talk about the odds, the betting lines, and what you should do with your money. Uh, probably put it in a 401k, but that's not what Ryan Gilbert does. He puts it on the line, man. He puts it out there. And we're also going to ask him about the playoff games because those are so important, and TCU is playing a big one against Michigan. Ryan Gilbert, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good up here in uh, chilly Manhattan. How's mm-hmm. it down there? Is it a little warmer? Um, yeah, it's 70 today. Yep, yep. Um, I have not been out of the hotel, though. I've been working all day. So um, You didn't go to practice today? I, I didn't. I, I had to record through that. Um, the guys are just getting <laughs> back from practice. Okay, let's get going here, and let's start with the playoff game that doesn't involve the Big 12, and that's Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um I think Georgia's clearly the best team in the country. In a in a season, honestly, where I don't think the teams are as good as they have been in the past. I think there's more parity out there right now. But I like Georgia an awful lot in this game. What say you? I agree. And you took the words right out of my mouth, really. I think Georgia's the best team in the whole country, and it isn't too close, in my opinion. They're giving up less than 13 points a game on defense. And playing in the SEC, I know, is no easy task, so... Georgia, I think, gets it done, and I don't want to spoil anything that we're going to talk about here in a moment, but I think Georgia wins the whole thing and gets by Ohio State comfortably. The line is, what, six and a half right now. Yeah. I think they can cover that. Obviously, it would be maybe a lower-scoring game, uh, but the over-under is 62, which I think is 
is pretty high because, like I mentioned, both teams, you know, Ohio State gives up less than 20 points a game on defense as well. I know both teams have some good offenses, but this seems like a type of game you've got a lot of time to prepare. The best teams in the country, I think the defenses are going to, you know, know what's coming from the opposing offenses. So I like the under, and I also like uh, Georgia to cover. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on both of those. I'm intrigued by these lines. We're going to talk about the two playoff games in Kansas State. They're all basically the same. The only one that <clears throat> that varies a little bit here is TCU is a seven-and-a-half-point underdog against Michigan. I know Michigan's good, but I don't see that. I I think TCU wins this game, but um, you know it just depends on what brand of football they start playing. If they get into Big Ten football, well, TCU's in trouble, but I think TCU's going to give Michigan some problems. I certainly would bet TCU on the line here. I think they'll cover that, but what do you think? It's interesting. I'm tempted to take that half a point. If the, you know, up to kickoff, if that line is at seven and a half, maybe you take the bait. Uh, I disagree with you. I think probably Michigan does win this game, but again, there is a lot of value. Seven points is a lot. We've seen, you know, we've seen the good from TCU. There's no doubt about it. Max Duggan is a warrior and following that team, in the Big 12 this season. We've seen how good they can be, but TCU also could have easily been a, a two or three loss team in the Big 12 this season. Obviously, good teams, they find ways to win games. So seven and a half is a lot of points. So I guess I would lean for for Michigan or for, for TCU to cover, but one of my, I wouldn't call it like a rule in sports betting, but if you don't feel comfortable putting money on the money line, then you shouldn't bet the spread. And that's kind of how I feel with, with this TCU team, I think they can cover, but I don't think they can win. So it doesn't make much sense to do that. I am kind of talking in circles here. <laughs> I'll go with TCU to cover, uh, but I, I just don't see them winning this game. I think we'll have to disagree on this one. 58.5 is the over-under. I'm intrigued that this total is lesser than the other game when I think this will mm -hmm. be the higher scoring game. We do agree on that, yeah. That's scary. We've agreed a lot on this. You got to be careful with that, Gills. Um, <clears throat> Alabama was a three and a half point favorite, and then their big two announced they will be playing. I'm not convinced they are, but it drove the the line back up to the six and a half it opened with, and it has stayed stagnant for the most part. If anything, on some books it's come down, um, which I think is very interesting. That um, Alabama's you know gone from six and a half to five and a half. Those are kind of you know less important books if you want to say that. Over under 55 and a half. Um, I, look, I've, I've told everyone else this on the show, and, and Wally and Brian Hanley agreed. I think K-State wins this game straight up. There's something going on here, but you're more of the numbers guy. Well, how do you see this? You got this line at right when it, when it opened yeah. up, Fitz, right? You yeah. bet it immediately. Yeah. And there's nothing mystical about the way this has changed, obviously, with the announcement that Bryce Young will play it shot back up you know there's nothing crazy about the line movement here but I would wait if I was going to bet on Kansas State I'd wait here honestly until kickoff because I have a, a feeling that late money would come in on Alabama just from more of your casual you know sports bettors that just see Alabama playing a, a big 12 opponent you know yeah. so I would I would wait but it's an interesting game absolutely and Kansas State's clearly going to be more motivated than Alabama I know you've talked about that a ton as we all have um and it, it really I, I think the question is to bet on kansas state are you confident that that motivation factor 
outweighs the talent, the skill set, you know, the physicality, the athleticism that Alabama has, right? And if you think the answer is yes, that outweighs it, then you bet on Kansas State. If not, then you're probably in Alabama. And Kansas State wants to win this game probably more than Alabama does. It, it really is kind of a mystery, though. Is Nick Saban just kind of playing chess with Kansas State, you know, having Bryce Young stay that he'll play in this game, and who knows, maybe we see him for a series and he's gone. Who knows? Who really knows what's going on with this Alabama team right now, how how much they want to win this game, because this is not the standard of Alabama football to be playing in a non-college football playoff game. So I think K-State, again, I, I kind of say the same thing with that Michigan-TCU game. I think K-State can absolutely cover this spread, I, and that's my pick. I don't know if they necessarily win the game outright. <clears throat> I, I see this as kind of a game where K-State goes up early, leads at halftime, and then Alabama kind of wakes up a little bit after sleepwalking through part of the game and says, hey, you know, we're Alabama. We can be the better team here. And there's no doubt about it. Even if Alabama's second string, you know, third string guys are in there, they've got equally or maybe even more talent than Kansas State, right? So they're a deeper team. I think Alabama at the end of the day can get over the hump against Kansas State, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked uh, if uh, if K-State pulled off the upset here because, again, this game just means more. And you guys have much more of a, a pulse on it than I do, but – Based off the reports that you guys have have gotten to to everyone, it, it just sounds like K State is locked in, and yeah. from the practices to the the press conferences, everything that you guys have seen, it, it sounds like Kansas State really is motivated for this game. So, if you're asking me from a betting perspective, yes, Kansas State can cover this spread, but to win the game outright is is an iffy pick. Okay, this is an important question. I need your advice here, as someone who has won some big bets, if Kansas State and TCU both win. What should I do with my winnings? I mean, should I buy a yacht? I'd be really you small can give yacht. your staff a raise. I, I wouldn't be upset with that one. Well, now you're just talking crazy. No, I, sorry, <laughs> I asked that question. Brian Gilbert, I you appreciate it. You that one, didn't you? I know, I know. I tell you what, if, if K-State and TCU both win, we'll go to Vegas. How's that? Okay. That's Got better than a raise, isn't it? Isn't that is way better than a race. A trip to Vegas is a trip to Vegas. Onward we go towards the finish line of our show. And the one thing I want you to keep an eye on in the course of this game, what could go right or wrong that might switch the outcome of this football game. And of course, you can read all about that. If you're a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, you can get my five keys to victory and exactly what I think will happen in this game and what I think the score will be in this game. And yes, I have not hidden the fact that I believe K-State wins this game. But to win this game, Kansas State's offensive tackles are going to have to play at a very high level. They have to give Will Howard and Adrian Martinez time to operate because Alabama will come around that corner particularly with Will Anderson screaming like their hair is on fire. And if they can continually beat the edge and get around the corner, big trouble awaits for Kansas State. Can the tackles hold up to the challenge of the Tide? I appreciate you listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast all season long. Make sure you're subscribing to GoPowerCat.com. We have an incredible special going right now at GoPowerCat. I can't give you all the details on it, but go click that green join button and check out all you get 
at a 50% discount by joining GoPowerCat.com. The sale ends on January 2nd, so do not mess around. Do not forget, if you've wanted to subscribe to GoPowerCat, now is the time. Folks, K-State wins this game flat out. I'm very confident of that, and I don't know why. I can't quantify it, but I think K-State is the more focused and prepared team in this contest. We will see how it all plays out on Saturday morning at the Superdome. I am Tim Fitzgerald. I appreciate Ryan Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Ryan Gilbert helping me out all season long, and I appreciate you listening so much. I hope you get to New Orleans safely. I hope your flights are flawless. And if you have to drive like we did, be careful out there. The destination is New Orleans. And when you arrive, you will be here to see the cats play the tide in the Sugar Bowl. And I will see you at the Superdome. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.